Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Hello, I'd like to welcome today's guest, Matthew Galimi. He is the founder and president of Divergent IT, a tech firm created to disrupt the status in the information technology space. Matthew began his career in IT when he was 17 years old, working for the New York City Board of Education. In 2008, Matthew quit a 10-year engagement with a six-figure income in corporate IT. He then moved to North Carolina and began creating businesses where he now creates unique solutions for his clients' IT needs. Matthew, thank you for joining me today. Oh, really appreciate you having me there, Denise. Very excited. No problem. So I ran into you recently through um, an alumni event for the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. And we've probably known each other a decade or close to that, at least. Yeah, I, yeah. I went back and I checked. I think it was close to 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then we just kind of ran into each other again. And so I was watching your Facebook and uh, LinkedIn, actually. I was watching your LinkedIn and saw some really great posts there about cybersecurity. So I reached out to you and asked if you could join us on a podcast. Um, so I appreciate you being here today. and. Let's get us started off by talking about, we're just going to kind of jump right in. Let's talk about budgets. Um, In talking to small businesses, I'm guessing you get a lot of different answers when you ask them about budgets. So let's talk about budgets for cybersecurity. Budgeting for IT is is important for businesses. And I I do think that starting there is, is great just because it does allow the business to understand what it's going to cost what it's going to take to keep them operational, secure, and really the ability to thrive in, in any market. You know, every business does require technology nowadays and understanding what the cost is going to be does show that the owner has a level of responsibility on them and that they are taking it serious, you know, to keep their environment safe and secure. So when it comes to cybersecurity, what do you consider to be the basics? So, you know, regardless if a business is running 100% in the cloud, 50% on-premise, or, you know, 100% on-premise, you know, regardless of that, you know, the environment really should have the basics. So any type of maintenance, monitoring, patch management, a centralized security stack, which would include, obviously, some type of antivirus, some type of SIM product, that's, you know, doing the event logging and then some type of, you know, content filtering to make sure that your staff's not going to some obscure websites or breaking any type of policies that you have. And then the last basic is, is always backups and making sure that your systems are properly backed up, whether they're systems on-prem or in the cloud. So I understood largely the backup and the antivirus. And can you go a little bit more into stack as well as SIM? Yep. So um, when I say security stack, I for us, it means, you know, the, the services or the applications that, that we deploy to our customers to make sure that we are able to keep them secure and if not, be able to report uh, 
and monitor on on the anomalies. So um, what a SIM product, S-I-E-M, will allow us to do is, is look at the logs, whether it's on the computer, it's the service that's in the cloud, like Microsoft 365, and take those logs and push them to a SOC. So a SOC, S-O-C is a security operation center where they can analyze those logs in, in real time and say, okay, well, I know Matthew Galimi is, is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Why did he just log in from, from Oregon? Okay, let's, what's going on here? Is, is something going on? Is it really him? Oh, okay, no, he's just he's, he's working on one of his customers out in Oregon, and he happened to log in on that machine. Okay, that makes perfect sense, and I really appreciate you going through the acronyms. That will trip me up every single time trying to remember what that is. <laughs> so um, when you're talking to small business owners, um, as far as cybersecurity, what is the biggest misconception that you see? So the biggest misconception that I always come across is they'll tell me, oh, no, no, I'm in the cloud. We're good. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. That, 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 that's awesome that, that your services are in the cloud. That's, you know, where, where they should be. But are they secure? You know, are you making or enforcing your, your users or your contractors to use some form of multi-factor authentication, just an extra layer to make sure that, you know, if the password gets compromised, well, the account doesn't get taken over. Uh, the second misconception is that, oh, no, 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 we're, yeah, our backups are good or no, they're in the cloud and, you know, Microsoft 365 is, is doing backups. So what we explain to the, to the business owners typically is that, yeah, yeah, it's, they are doing some form of backups, but you should really read, you know, some of those legal documents that they provide to you because, you know, Microsoft, it's a best effort for anything under Microsoft 365. Now, I've never personally lost anything. I was always able to get it back with, with Microsoft, but we always like to add that additional layer to, to back up those services outside. Absolutely, absolutely. So backing up even in the cloud, is that hard to do? It is not. You know, I think choosing the choosing the right vendor is always important. You gotta make sure that you know, your, your backups are secured or encrypted during transit. So when it's going from one service to the backup service, that that data is encrypted. And then obviously once it resides on the service that you're paying for, for backup, that it's also encrypted because if the vendor got attacked or compromised, you definitely would not want your data to be out there. Could be, we've seen some, some of these vendors take up to a year to notify their people or their their customers that okay yeah we've been compromised and now you kind of have to backtrack the whole x amount of time to say oh well how much data was there during that time and whatnot but a lot of the a lot of the services nowadays if it is cloud based you know there's a lot of what we call APIs or plugins that that can do it for you. Perfect. Perfect. Now, I know with some things like antivirus, a lot of people set it and forget it. Um, realistically, how often or should you even be reviewing your cybersecurity system? And I know that, that that's more than antivirus, but I just use that as an example. Yeah. <laughs> that's always a good one. I mean, we, we recommend any system that you're putting in place, any security system you're putting in place should have some type of real-time monitoring, reporting, and notification. So you, you can, you know, you can install an antivirus application and kind of forget about it and let 
you know, the vendor kind of manage the updates and some of the additional policies because they're most of them are kind of subscribing to outside, you know, agencies or services that are looking for, you know, known new threats and whatnot. But, you know, if 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 you're not actively looking at the notifications or alerting that you're getting, then it's it's kind of pointless. I mean, it's almost like not even having, you know, an antivirus application. So I would say the monitoring reporting and notifications is is definitely key. You know, you want to make sure when you're configuring your security systems that, you know, it is reporting on anomalies, any type of unknown logins and, and any discrepancies. Like, you know, like I said, you know, we, when we set up a Microsoft 365 tenant, you know, we turn on a whole bunch of alerting and we'll get emails. Sometimes they're just informational. Sometimes they're real. Sometimes it's like I explained to you earlier, hey, so-and-so logged in from, from Hong Kong. Okay. We immediately call them. Did you just do this? Oh, um, I, I decided to turn on NordVPN for my home systems. And, you know, I went through Hong Kong and that's why it triggered, you know, but we'd, we'd rather know as IT professionals or personally, I'd rather know than not know, because if you don't know, then what are you going to do about it? Can't take any corrective action. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've seen that happen with my team. We use um, VPNs. Um, because we're a remote workforce and we have been in, so we've had this in place for a couple of years that if they're traveling and they're outside of what their normal secure internet is, they have to use the VPN. Very nice. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if I wanted to get started, you know, creating a cohesive cybersecurity plan, how would I get started? So we always recommend just a conversation. Let's sit down, let's understand and document your, you know, the services that, that are being used by your business, who has access to those services, who are the administrators of that service, can we reduce that number, are those access or those accounts, you know, are they properly secured with some form of multi-factor authentication, are they limited to you can only log in from a specific IP address? So I always like to start out with a conversation. It's never, okay, let's come in we're going to sell you the world and let's just, let's run from there. No, because every business is different. A lot of businesses have, have, you know, a lot of similarities, but every business is different. So understanding what's different about yours and making sure that we're not impeding your staff from being able to be productive and, and do their work while also making sure that they're secure they're compliant and that things are being maintained and monitored properly. It, it's more of a partnership than, you know, than a dictatorship here. So you, you definitely approach from a consultative perspective. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's move on to talk a little bit about cybersecurity policies and if they're actually necessary. I know I do have one for my team and, you know, we give it to them during orientation, but do you feel like they're necessary? I would definitely say, you know, policies are necessary. We also have them. We also recommend that our that our clients have them. Um, we do find that, yeah, so you, you bring on a new employee, they're, they're going to read it, they're going to sign it, they're going to acknowledge that they're going to, you know, adhere to this new policy and that they're going to say, okay, I understand and whatnot. But, you know, three months, six months down the road, business has now changed or some type of new technology has been implemented. You forget to update the policy and, you know, you just kind of 
running wild at that point. So actively reviewing them is where I see a lot of people forget, you know, at least reviewing it or having the staff re-sign it maybe once a year to make sure it still kind of coincides. The other policy that, that we always recommend is like a computer use policy. So what you're allowing your, your staff to do on your company hardware, on your company, you know, network, you know, we've, we've seen some, some of our uh, clients say, yeah, you can't check your personal email from this device. You can't this, you can't that. And then we've seen it where like, you can use it like a personal machine if you want. And, you know, for the IT vendor, so, so myself, it's good to know, you know, where that level is for each business. You know, the, the other one is making sure you have some form of like cybersecurity insurance. It, you know, definitely does not cost that much and you definitely should need it or have it nowadays. Is uh, cybersecurity insurance, that's not the same as data breach, is it? It is not. Ooh. From, from, so. what, I, from what I understand, it is not. So. <laughs> okay, so what's the difference? Do you know? <laughs> So I think data breach would be more of you, you've had data now stolen, right? So you've had a, an attacker or a malicious actor steal data, whether it's an internal or external, and now they're, they're, they're going to say, all right, we're going to sell this data or we're going to use this data in a malicious way to, you know, against your business. So, you know, I, I stole all of your contacts. And now I'm going out to each one of those contacts saying, hey, look, I know all this information about you because I got it from XYZ company. You know, cybersecurity insurance, I think, will cover, it should cover breach, but I think it takes it to the next level where if you do get some type of ransomware, where you need to negotiate some type of payment, if you need, you know, just an extra set of eyes to say, okay, here are my policies. Do they coincide with, with my insurance? So, yeah, we always recommend cybersecurity insurance. I think you can get it like a one to three million dollar policy in that range for like 250 bucks a month from what we've seen. That all depends on the business and what you're doing. Are you PCI compliant? Are you some type of security exchange? You know, that, that number will fluctuate, but we're, we're seeing it right around there for, for small businesses. You know, I actually had a client once that did get hit with some ransomware. They were received something that was an attachment that said, oh, pick up your package. And they wanted to know what it was. So they opened it and oh, guess what? It was not from the post office. Let's just say <laughs> that. So it really, it kind of hijacked all of their files. It wasn't malicious per se, um, as far as it didn't like create viruses and send them out or anything like that, but it really just turned all those files so they were no longer usable. Um, so if somebody does get hit with ransomware, what 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 do you recommend they do? Jump off a bridge. <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay. I'm just in, kidding. In no, that. I know that's how. <laughs> I know. I know that's uh, that's how a lot of people feel. So when, whenever we've been engaged to, you know, kind of come in and assess a compromise or help clean up or whatever, you know, the first thing I tell the business owners, hey, just take a breath. This is very daunting. It's very overwhelming. It's very just, you know, oh my God, what do I do type of moment. Hey, just take a breath. We have professionals around us that can help you navigate through this. And, and every situation is different. You know, this is where having 
some type of cybersecurity insurance would help, you'd want to definitely reach out to them and explain, hey, we've been compromised. We're not sure, you know, how it happened or what happened, you know, notifying the, the proper authorities, whether it's, you know, Department of Homeland Security, which covers a lot of this, the FBI kind of gets involved. And then your your legal team, I mean, they, they definitely need to know exactly what's going on. If you're going to need to say, oh, you know, we now need to notify all these people that have had their data stolen. And what, what are the laws for the states that, that each person's in that we need to follow? You know, I know here in North Carolina that I think after 500 uh, users' data has been compromised, uh, you need to then, you know, take out a TV ad, send them all personal letters, newspaper ad, and offer some type of um, uh, credit monitoring, excuse me. So, yeah, making sure you understand that you're following the proper laws and that, you know, you're, you're going to report against it. Wow, that is a lot. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So that brings me to another question. So what about, you know, testing? Um, should we be performing any type of testing on a regular basis? Yeah, so we, we recommend at least a yearly external facing vulnerability scan for the, for the environment. So whether it's, you know, you got brick and mortar running some type of vulnerability scan on, you know, your, your corporate firewall, your, you know, your systems, your internet, making sure that, you know, something that you made a change for the work and work from home policy that is now in place or to allow your staff to work from home, that the IT guy didn't just make a, you know, a quick change. Okay, it's working because I had to get, you know, 40, 50 people working. Now they forget because they have so much on their plates. So yeah, we always recommend an external facing company do it. Uh, we utilize a, a vendor that, that does it for us, for all of our customers on a yearly basis. They provide a nice report, which we then provide to our customers and saying, you know, this is what, you know, the external facing company has, has found. This is what we would recommend. These are, you know, the known issues. These are what we would like to change. Here are the things that we know we can't change because of a system that you have in place that, you know, needs to run this way. So making sure it's done on a yearly basis is, is, is a, a bare minimum that I would say. So. So it's basically like QA auditing the IT. Correct. Okay. Not a bad idea to have a checks and balance system. Not at all. So Matthew, is there anything else that you'd like to throw in there that we sh should need um, to know as we consider down this road of getting that, like I said, that cohesive IT plan? Yeah, I mean, I think just, like I said, constantly ask questions, making sure from a business owner, me being a business owner, I don't know a whole lot about accounting. So I ask my my accounting team a bunch of questions to understand, okay, what what's best for us? So as long as the business owner understands, hey, what, what are they, what are you currently getting today from, from your managed service provider or your IT professional understanding, you know, where the gaps are, let's document them and either come up with a plan to to minimize that risk or just know that, okay, because of this one system, we have to, you know, have this gap, you know, and then reviewing that on some type of either quarterly, biannual, or annual basis, because new technology comes out and maybe something comes out that would, you know, eliminate that gap. Um, 
and then honestly, yeah, I mean, the, the big thing is is backups, making sure you're you not only have backups, but making sure that they're being tested. You know, many times I've walked into to places and, you know, I mean, this just happened with a new customer I took on here in Charlotte. They had a mail server. All their email was coming through, a, a, you know, a computer inside their facility. Um, I walk in and, you know, they're like, I'm like, well, are you doing backups of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at the backup and I show her. I'm like, well, the machine hasn't backed up since 2017. So three years, if something would have happened, all your email would have been gone. And they couldn't believe it. They had a they had a guy coming in every Saturday to do some work. And I, I don't know the gentleman and I'm not saying he's a bad person, but you know, if you're not maintaining, monitoring and testing, then it, it you know, it's no good. Yeah, you can have a backup, but if you can't recover from that backup, then what good is the backup? Maintain, monitor, and test. That's what I just heard you say. So if they take yep. nothing away from this, maintain, monitor. And test. <laughs> and you got to understand if you, you know, if you're doing a lot of proactive or if your IT company is doing a lot of proactive type of work rather than reactive, it, it should allow for your staff and your business to run a lot smoother. We have seen where, you know, when we were in a reactive business, we were averaging like something like 60 calls a day with 123 customers globally. I mean, we're, we're down to less than a call a day at this point because we're doing everything in a proactive manner, everything after hours, everything automated. And if it's not automated, we're trying to figure out a way to automate it. And then that allows for the staff, it allows for you know the business to run much more smoothly, which is ultimately what everybody wants. Absolutely, I would agree with that. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate that. Anytime, anytime. Matthew can be found at divergentit.net or by email, Matthew at divergentit.net and by phone, 704-269-4963. And for our listeners, I invite you to join us on a podcast, possibly as a guest. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss that would appeal to the listeners of Nurture Small Business Creating a Thriving Space, reach out to me. My email is denise at dcavirtual.com. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.